Welcome, and thank you for joining us for the City Baptist Church Podcast. We would love to have you join us for a service in person. You can find all the information you need on our website at citybaptist.church. What we're going to be looking at is one of the final moments in Christ's 40 days on this earth following his resurrection. And what we're going to be seeing here is the final words that uh, Jesus gave to his disciples as he makes some statements that I think all of us would agree as Christians this morning, we would say these are statements that are worth remembering. And so Jesus makes these statements and they're worth remembering to us not only because they applied to those that were there listening to him that day. But the statements that Jesus is going to make are statements that are worth remembering because of the continuing impact that they have had for generations of followers of Jesus Christ. And so these were, of course, impactful for those that were there that morning and those that heard that day. But it's been impactful because for generations now we have seen this impact continue all throughout these followers of Jesus Christ. And so we're in Matthew chapter 28. And like I mentioned, our missions conference is coming up uh, this coming weekend. And I think it'd be good for all of us just to be reminded of Christ's words to those that were gathered there today as we head into our missions week together. I want to begin reading in verse number 16 of a Matthew chapter number 28. And it says here that then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. And notice those last three words there, but some, say that word with me, doubted. Now this is an interesting thing that's happening here. Uh, Jesus had made his way back to Galilee, a place he was very familiar with following the resurrection, and he had gathered here with at least his 11 disciples. Now, some people connect in this particular moment that we see here uh, as what Paul referenced later in 1 Corinthians 15, where it talks about how Jesus was seen by 500 people at one time. A lot of people actually believe that this is the moment that he's talking about simply because we see here that some doubted. Now, at this point, the disciples, those 11 disciples, I think you would agree with me that they were probably, uh, they weren't doubting anymore, right? Jesus had appeared to them. Thomas had had his moment of doubt, of course. And so now he's speaking, and some are listening, some are hearing, but there were some there that were doubting. But regardless of the amount of people that were gathered there, what Jesus says next is probably one of the most powerful and influential passages in all of Scripture. What we're about to read here is the reason that I personally am in full-time ministry. This passage right here is the reason that there are people all around the world serving God who have left behind friends and family and careers and are serving him on foreign mission fields. Right here, these verses we're about to read are the reason that we as believers today witness to our coworkers. It's the reason that we witness to our unsaved family members. It's why we give to foreign missions. It is the very reason that we go out and have outreach events like the kids are doing right now, why we have community events, all because of what Jesus is about to say. And of course, we know it as the Great Commission. Now, what I want us to understand is that this is not any greater than any other thing that Jesus said. Everything that Jesus said holds equal and and should hold an equal value in all of our lives. But I think that this passage is very unique, and it is a little bit, I won't say more impactful, but it definitely uh, carries a punch to it simply because of the timing of it. The timing of it. Remember, Jesus here is about to ascend to heaven to be with the Father, and so we really see these as some of the final words that Christ gave while he was on this earth. You know, there's something about the finality of life that leaves an impact, doesn't it? This past week on uh, Thursday, uh, I was privileged to go to uh, John Sousa's grandpa's funeral. And his, his grandfather passed away this last week, and I was privileged to go to his funeral and just be a part of it and to just, just come and sit and be there and, and support their family. 
And, you know, I'd met his grandfather a couple times. We had, I think, lunch with him one time, and I'd known him throughout the years. But when you go to a funeral, you learn a lot about somebody, don't you? And especially as I heard uh, the grandkids and his two sons speak about him, it was very interesting to me how many of them referenced the final days that they had with him, the final things that were said, the final things that were done in that, those last days. And it made an impact on them. You know, the last thing that somebody says to us, maybe if we lose them tragically, we remember that, don't we? Uh, the last, uh, if you're on a, a trip, you're on a holiday, you know, that last day when you're trying to pack everything in that you haven't done yet, you know, that, that carries an impact for you. It, it connects into your heart and into your life. The final experience, the last day of school or, or some other a trip or event that you're at, whatever it is, it makes an impact in us. And as we look at these final words here that Jesus is giving to his disciples here, his words carry a lot of impact because it's some of the final things that he had to say. This right here, what we're going to hear, is what uh, the disciples would carry with them as motivation and purpose as they became God's ambassadors for the gospel. And for us today, it's still a fresh motivation uh, for us as we carry on uh, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as we carry forward the gospel today as well. And Jesus here gives us this commission. We call it the Great Commission. And within that, what we're going to see is three factors that we must remember. And I would say this, things that we need to endeavor to pursue ourselves and be reminded of as we also carry Christ's commission to this world and to this new community that God has called us to. And so we're going to begin in verse number 18, but point number one, Jesus reminds us of some things. And the first thing he reminds us of is God's power. He says here, I want you to remember God's power. Look at verse number 18. It says, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power, there's the word. He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So Jesus here is about to give these disciples their lifetime commission, and he places before them here a vision of his power. Do you see that there? He says, all power is given unto me. Now, the, the word that's translated power from the Greek is the word excusia. It's not just something you say when someone sneezes, all right, or when you sneeze. This is something that carries a lot of power, although there's a lot of power behind a sneeze, isn't there? My wife threw out her back last week sneezing. That's, I mean, that's some serious power right there. Anybody else do that? Uh, I've, uh, yeah, you, throw, you sneeze really a lot. Man, I just popped a disc. Anyway, it's a terrible thing, but it has power to it. So you can say, I know some Greek, when I sneeze, there's power to it. Excusia, I hope you remember the word there. But it means this, all the right of absolute authority and power and all the resources of absolute power. So in case you were wondering what that word means, it means a lot of power. It means all the power that is there, absolute authority, absolute power. Now, here's what's something that's so interesting about the book of Matthew is that the book of Matthew stresses the authority of God in many different ways. It stresses the authority of his teaching in chapter 7. It addresses the authority of his healing in chapter 8. It addresses the authority or power of forgiveness of sins in chapter 9. As well, what I love, it addresses the power of God over Satan in chapter number 10. And so all throughout Matthew, it emphasizes the authority and the power of God. And right here at the close of this gospel, Matthew makes it very clear in case you were wondering, that Jesus has authority over all things, both in heaven and here on earth. Jesus is the one who's in authority, and Jesus is the one who has all power. So what does that mean for us when we're talking about spiritual? Oh, thank you for joining us today. I'm joking. <laughs> there was a backlog in the change room, so we got them out. That's good. 
But what does he mean when he says all power and all authority? What does that mean for us? Here's what it basically means. It means this to us today, knowing that Jesus has authority over all things. It means that since Jesus has authority over all things, then it is possible for us to obey him in faith and not with fear. So this is what he's trying to get across. And this is why he begins this way. And this is why we need to remember when it comes to sharing the gospel with the lost world is that Jesus has authority. He has all power. And so because of that, we can trust him and we can serve him in faith and without fear. No matter where God leads you, no matter what circumstances may come your way, God is in control because of his complete and his total authority. That means when you feel like you're being overcome with temptation, God has power over that in your life. When God leads you to maybe do something that's out of your comfort zone, he leads you to serve him, to give to him, to follow him. That means that there's power to actually see it accomplished, that what he's trying to do in you. You know, when we read the book of Acts and we follow the missionary uh, journeys of Paul, what we see is that the early church expanded in an amazingly fast way. Do you remember that? I know when I read that, I'm just like, God, would you just do that for us? You know, to see this just expansion and this quick uh, growth that we see uh, throughout the book of Acts. But I want to remind us that these were just regular people. You know, we often think of people in the Bible as like this super spiritual, like, ooh, we kind of have this idea, like, oh, look at the names in the Bible. You know, we have this idea. They were people like you and me. They were flesh and blood like you and I. They dealt with the same struggles, the same temptations, the same difficulties that we do. And they were just regular, normal people. But here's the great thing. With the power of God behind them, they did accomplish great things for the Lord. And what we see in Scripture is that they operated in a unique way because they operated under the Lord's sovereignty and his power and his authority. They ministered in his name, and they depended on his power and his guidance. And they never, ever, ever faced the lost world under their own authority or under their own power. They always faced it with the power of God and his guidance. Now, the same is true for us today, church, and we've got to remember this. We do not serve our community we do not witness to lost co-workers. We do not raise our children to love God. We do not give and serve our local church in our authority. We are empowered and we are able to do it because of God's power over all things. And if he leads us somewhere, then we can obey him and we can follow him confidently. And that's the key word there. The confidence that comes from the power of God is something that we must be reminded about over and over and over again. And I believe that is why Jesus emphasized his power here uh, to, uh, to these people before giving us the next step. He said, I want to make sure that you know before everything else that there is power behind what is going on. Everything we do as believers is based on the power and the authority of God who goes before us. And so he says, remember God's power. Secondly, Jesus says, remember God's purpose. And here we come to verse number 19 and 20, where all of you, I'm sure, are very familiar. Maybe you could even quote these verses with me. But he says here, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now remember, this is based off of the what? The power of God. So he says, here's the power you got to remember. Now here's the purpose that you're going to go into with my power. Now, you got to think about it for a moment. Put yourself, if you can, in the shoes of those 2,000 years ago. Remove all of the things that we know about today 
and put yourself in that place. To those people, to those believers, for God to say, go into all the world, preach the gospel, go and teach, go win and disciple and, and, and minister and reach people, it would have actually seemed like an impossible task. You say, well, pastor, today it's impossible as well. I would say this, it's much easier today to accomplish this. You gotta remember, this isn't a day without rapid transportation. If you wanted to go somewhere, the fastest you could go would maybe be on a horse. You know, unless you, maybe you had a fast camel. I don't know. Like, I've never ridden any of those. Oh, I've ridden a horse. But, you know, that's maybe the fastest you could move. And then you were limited in that. Obviously, you know, the horse gets tired, right? Animals get tired. You can't just keep riding and, and see how far you can go. There, there was no rapid transportation. There was no rapid communication. And the Apostle Paul couldn't just be like, oh, man, I forgot. Let me text Timothy. You know, like, hey, uh, Timothy, just remember the things I taught you, you know? <laughs> no, he couldn't just do that. He had to write a letter, had to be transported, had to go somewhere. There was no rapid uh, communication, no rapid transportation. Literally, most people lived and died in the same town that they were born in. They were born, raised, and died in the same town. Many people rarely traveled outside of their own region. And to them, this would have seemed crazy, <laughs> It would have seemed unreal for Jesus to say, go into all the world. And even think about this, their, their knowledge of what the world was was limited as well. There wasn't that full understanding of what it truly meant. And to them, it would have seemed impossible. And often the commands of God seem that way, don't they? That's why God started with the power of God. Because when you take what seems to be impossible and you connect it with the overwhelming power and authority of God, any request that God makes of us then becomes achievable. And that's what I love about these first century believers is that they took this thing that is so impossible to them and they were like, you know what? Okay, we're going to do this because they recognize the power behind it. So Jesus here gives them the vision and the plan for reaching the world with the gospel. But I want you to notice here in the emphasis of the verse that he emphasizes it as a personal thing. I want you to notice this. Often when we read this verse, what do we do? We emphasize, we emphasize the aspect of going, right? And we think, go into all the world, and there's songs, go ye into all the world. You know, we have all these, I don't know if that's really a song, but there's songs like that, you know, and it's go into all the world, and we think of this aspect of, of you know, this, this movement of, of forward motion <clears throat> that somehow, in some way, that the only way to fulfill, fulfill this commission is to go and to leave where you're at. But I want you to notice that the word go here is in the idea of the present, meaning where you are right now. And then notice how he says, go ye. When you see the word ye, you think me. That's what he's saying here. He's saying you, it's a personal thing. If you remember the word, there, the word that's therefore, you say, well, what was it therefore? And the reason it says therefore is because it's connecting us again back to God's authority. So let's just make it really simple. You ready? Some of you look confused. Winnie looks very confused right now. I'm just gonna, we're gonna get it, get it all settled here. Ready? Here's what he's saying. Jesus is saying, while you are on your journey, while you are going, while you are involved in your journey, you personally are to be making disciples. You are to be teaching people. You are to be doing all of this then in the authority of Jesus Christ. See, it's a personal thing. I'll make it even simpler. No matter where we are or what we are doing, we should be witnesses for Christ and teaching others to live for him. 
So this isn't just something that you, you know, you, you, you preach on a missions conference, although we do, I'm doing it today, we're preaching on it, getting ready for our missions conference, and then some, you know, someone feels called to go to some foreign field. This is a personal application for all of us that while we are going in this moment, what we are doing right now, that we are reaching and teaching and being witnesses for Jesus Christ. The ultimate of this, the ultimate expression of the Great Commission is a personal thing, first of all. And I want you to notice that. It's a personal thing. Every single one of us should have the commission of God upon our lives. And so no matter where we are, we are focused on reaching and teaching others for the Lord. Now, of course, we know in this time, the term that was used was disciple, right? The word disciple, and we heard that, you know, it's all throughout the disciples, and disciple is a great word because it means this. Disciple means someone who attaches themselves to somebody, Today, we might call it an apprentice, my young apprentice, right? You know, an apprentice who comes along. That's a Star Wars reference, maybe. I don't know. If I did a good job, you would have got it. Um, and it's someone who comes along who's with, and, you know, you learn from them, and you spend time. You're attached to them. If you are an apprentice of somebody, I mean, you are with them all of the time. And in Christ's day, it was something that was very, very common. People would identify with a certain trade or a certain uh, teacher, and they would spend their time with them. Of course, the disciples uh, were with the Lord, and they attached themselves to him. Today, if we're going to be true disciples, it's the same thing. We attach ourselves to God. We attach ourselves to his word. And of course, we know the local church is the place that we get connected into. It's the place where we grow. It's where we learn. It's where uh, the expression of ministry and of reaching other people can be fully expressed through the early church. Uh, when Paul said to Timothy, he said, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is the authority of Jesus Christ. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. So here's the point. He's saying, listen, the church, the people of the church, should be learning and growing and ex- under, growing in their understanding, but also every one of us are to be the ones that are going out and reaching and teaching and ministering to others. We are disciples and we are to be making disciples as well. And the reason I'm emphasizing this so much is because I really believe the modern church has left this in many ways. In many ways, uh, churches have an expectation that you know, the pastor is maybe on salary and the pastor's paid, and so he's paid to preach, he's paid to win the lost, he's paid to build up the saved. You know, if there's other staff members, that's what they're to do. And the church members function as sort of a cheerleader or a spectator. Great job, pastor. Woo, get out there. Win somebody to Christ for us. I'm going to go to work. <laughs> and that's kind of the idea that many people have. And so people get saved, they get baptized, and they join the church. And then after that, they just join the other spectators. And that's a mindset in a a lot of churches, unfortunately. But listen, that was never God's purpose for his church. That was never God's purpose for his people, that we sit around and we watch other people fulfill the Great Commission. I liken it this way. It seems like pretty much any day that I get in my car and try to drive somewhere, I am blocked by construction. Have you noticed that? Man, in our neighborhood, they're just digging up. They dug up Caslow Street forever, and now they've moved on to Georgia, and there's just stuff all over. But have you ever, when you're driving or maybe walking, you see a group of city workers there working together? And how often have you walked by there, and you see one guy working, and you see about seven other guys standing around? Now, I know, listen, I know there's a safety officer 
And there's a, now a, a COVID officer. And there's a, 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 you know, a, a, a boo-boo officer, you know, in case someone gets hurt. Uh, and, you know, and there's all of these people and there's all of these jobs. And I get it. There's a manager and there's somebody, you know, maybe that guy's learning. I don't know. But if you're like me, have you ever driven by and seen maybe seven or eight guys standing around like this, watching one guy kind of dig or sweep? And I've always just, I want to roll down my window and be like, help him, <laughs> you know. It can move a lot quicker, you know. If, if things get done, just why don't you help him out? And then I, you know, I fall in the temptation of thinking about my taxes and all of these things. <clears throat> But I think that sometimes Jesus has the same frustrations when he looks at his church. I think sometimes Jesus looks at his church and he says, I paid for your salvation with my blood. At least as my disciples, the least you could do is help those that are serving. The least you could do is get involved and follow and embrace the great commission that you've given to me and collectively work together for the gospel. See, the only way, church family, that we as a, as a church are going to be fruitful and multiply rather than just adding, but we're going to be multiplying ourselves is by all of us, first of all, as disciples of Jesus Christ, secondly, as members of the local church, if we put into practice Christ's command to us to reach and to teach and invest ourselves in our personal commission to make disciples. It is the responsibility of every believer, not just a small group of people who are called to go. Now, I'll tell you what, there are some that are called to go, and I'm so thankful for them, aren't you? And that they'd be willing to leave behind family and the things that we hold dear and go to a place where they don't know anyone at all and serve the Lord. You know, next week, the missionaries that are going to be with us are people just like that. They are in a field, a missionary field, and they are all alone. They are all alone. And I'm so thankful for their calling, but it doesn't end there. It flows and we can look to people like them as examples, but it has to start here in our hearts first of all. It has to start individually and personally first. Where we ourselves are disciples, but we are making disciples as well. Now, I understand the difficulty of it because we often struggle with a lot of things, don't we? How many of you have ever said, well, I'm not qualified to do this? Do you ever feel like that? I don't feel qualified. Yes, and I would agree. We all feel that way many times. But my question would be, how do you get qualified? Right? When your boss says to you, hey, you know what? I think there might be a position open for you in a, maybe a year or so, a little bit further up. I just want you to know we kind of have you in mind. But if that's going to happen, you need to get qualified. So what do you do? Okay, what do I got to do? I'm going to make this happen. And here's the thing with the Great Commission. If you don't feel qualified to carry out the Great Commission, you can get qualified. Did you know that? You can, you can find out what needs to be done. You can grow in your personal walk. You can, you can learn and you can understand a little bit more so that you can increase in your knowledge and in your skill. If you're going to increase your knowledge and skill, why not increase it for the Lord? You know, we all have little things that we want to do. You know, I, you guys know I like to golf right now. I don't know, that's my thing now. I like to golf. Maybe it'll go away. I don't know. But Jeanette will tell you, man, I want to get better at golf. I'm so sick of hitting slices into the trees and losing golf balls. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of walking through the woods, you know. It's like I'm not here for a hike. I'm here to golf. But I'm in the woods looking around, you know. And, and so what do I do? I go to the driving range and I practice and I try different things and I, I tweak. Why? And I've put a little bit of effort into it. I don't know how much money I've spent on driving range balls. I don't know, but a, a few dollars, I'm sure, to get better at the game. Because I care about it. It's something I enjoy doing. And it's the same thing with our walk with God. If you're like, the problem is we just stand back and we're like, I don't know. I don't think I can do it. I'm never going to be able to do it. I'm not like that person. And we compare ourselves. Listen, 
We can all take steps forward if we put the effort in to being that person that can fulfill the Great Commission. Another reason that we don't, maybe, is we say, I have kids. <laughs> Funny how those of us have kids use our kids as an, as, a, as an excuse sometimes, you know? Well, I got kids. I can't serve the Lord. Okay, are you discipling your kids? That's a great place to start, isn't it? And I think sometimes parents, we abdicate discipleship to the church. We abdicate discipleship to the school when discipleship should be happening in the home. First and foremost, the church and school, if they go to a Christian school, those are things that can enhance and can help and can grow. But discipleship needs to happen at the home first. So these are great ways that we can serve. The point is, is that all of us, regardless of our excuses to not fulfill the Great Commission, we must remember this is God's purpose for us. It was given to us. If we were to understand it as those 500 people that are standing there, they weren't all, they weren't all the 11 disciples. They weren't all uh, people who went out and be pastors and missionaries. They were just people that followed God, and God wants us to know and remember his purpose. But finally today, Jesus wanted to remind us of God's presence. Now, I love this. Now, this is probably the most classic pastor outline right here in the world, the power, the purpose, and the presence. It really is. That's funny. Julius and I have joked about that. This is like, if you don't know, if, you, if someone asks you to speak, just start with those three words, and you'll find something. You'll be able to come together with a message. <laughs> You're like, okay, I see what you did here, pastor. All right. No, it actually works with this passage. Don't just put it. It's not a template, okay? Remember God's presence. Look at verse number 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And then he says this, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. He kind of puts a finality on there. He says, you got to remember the power of God. I have all the power. He says, now I'm going to give you an impossible purpose, an impossible task, but remember, I've got the power to make it happen. So I've got the power, I've got the purpose, but I want you to remember the presence of God. I am with you. What does he mean? Jesus is saying is that while you are going and fulfilling his great commission, while you are serving where you are, while you are ministering to people where you are, Jesus is with you because you have his spirit. Now, I love this. When Jesus left this earth, he gave to us the most wonderful gift of his Holy Spirit. Here's why it's wonderful. It remains with us. It restrains us. It restores us, and it revives us to do the work of God. It also means that when Jesus said, I'm with you always, that means he's with you always. <laughs> he actually made it possible for it to happen. He sent the Holy Spirit some few days after this. The Holy Spirit came down upon believers, and we know from that point on, as people put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we received the Holy Spirit. Those that were saved just in the last few weeks, you have the Holy Spirit of God that indwells you, that is with you, and it can never leave you, and it will not forsake you. And it is what we rely on when we head into impossible situations, when we head into things where we're like, I don't know that I can do this. We have to remember that God is with us. The Apostle Paul experienced some sorrow and some difficulty when he was uh, planting churches. And I remember uh, in, in uh, the book of Acts chapter number 18, in verses 9 and 10, he was going through a particularly difficult time in the city of Corinth. And uh, he had gone there and things had happened. People had come to Christ. Uh, he had baptized them. He had taught them the word. But it got very discouraging very, very quickly. And so God came to him in a special visit and he said this to him. He said, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid. But speak, and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee. And no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Now, I love that here, because this is the Apostle Paul. You would think if anybody didn't need encouragement from the Lord, it would be him. But here we find him in a very difficult situation, and God comes alongside him and says, listen, I'm going to be with you, so you can go ahead and speak. 
And I want to tell you, that same message carries on to us today. You know, some of you I know might be afraid to speak out for the Lord in your workplace. You might be afraid to bring up your relationship with Christ in your family. Can I encourage you today that if the Lord leads you to speak up for him, he will be with you in that moment. He will come alongside of you. He will, in fact, and this is so amazing, sometimes when we speak up for God, God gives us words to say that we never thought we would have. And he encourages us in so many ways and and helps us because he is with us. A man by the name of G. Campbell Morgan, he wrote a lot of different things, commentated on a lot of different things. But he told this story about how he was very early in his ministry. So, I mean, really, really young in ministry. He didn't have a whole lot to do, he said. And so he would go and he would read the Bible to uh, people from the congregation. And so he would go and he would just sit at their house and he would just read the Bible to them. How many of you would like that if I came to your house and read the Bible to you? Oh, Chris? All right. Okay, we'll set it up maybe this week. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that sounds great, actually. Uh, Maybe you can come to me and I'll read the Bible to you. We'll do that. Maybe we'll we'll work it out. That sounds like a good idea. But anyway, he comes here and he's reading. And he came to this end of Matthew's gospel. And he said, and he he read this, you know, I'm with you all the way to the end of the world. And he said to those ladies, he said, "Uh, isn't that a wonderful promise? And one of the ladies spoke to him, an older lady. She said, young man, she said, that's not a promise. That is a fact. I thought that was great. Sometimes we say that, oh, it's the promises of God. No, it's the facts of God, that he is with you. And she was so right about that. We never have to wonder about the presence of God because he promises us to the end of the world, he is with us. Now, this is the confidence that we have, church, as we consider the Great Commission from God. Now, listen, when you think about the Great Commission and you think about the purpose that God gave to us, it's big, isn't it? It's big. But like I said earlier, I believe that it's easier now than ever before. It's easier now than ever before. You say, how is that possible? You and I can travel anywhere in the world within a day. Did you know that? Provided you have all the appropriate things in place (laughs) that you need to go and do that. We can travel anywhere in the world within 24 hours. We can communicate instantaneously to people all around the world. Some of you who have family in different countries are able to communicate as if they lived in Burnaby. (laughs) You're able to communicate with them that well. And it's amazing what the technology has enabled us to do, but yet we still sit back like we're at the first century and like, man, this is impossible. No, it is possible. It is possible because we have God. He does not ask us to do it on our own. We go with his authority. We go with his presence and everything that is required of us if we are faithful to his commission. I want to close with Acts chapter number one, verses six through eight. This is kind of where we jump to following Matthew chapter 28. It says in verse 6, And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou now at this time, like, Lord, finally will you restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven." You know, as the disciples watched Jesus physically leave this earth and return to his heavenly home, it was a reminder that the remaining work 
would be done by the witnesses he had left behind. As they saw him go up, I'm sure the realization came over them that, okay, we are here, we are left, we are the ones. And he gave them everything they needed to do, operating in the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus just had told them about. He says, the Spirit's going to come upon you. Now, here's the great thing. We are here 2,000 years later as living evidence of the power of discipleship. That's why we're here today. That's why I'm here today. We are living examples of what can happen when a group of 11 men make their life's priority to carry out the commission of God. And it's our privilege today, church family. It's a privilege of ours today to follow Jesus in the same way that they did. I gotta tell you, we, we, look, we look back and we say, wow, well, those were the 11. I mean, that's what, that's what God did through them. Listen, God can do it through us as well. The same commission remains. The same Holy Spirit remains. But even greater opportunities are here for us. And I often wonder, what would the Apostle Paul be like in 2021? Man, I wonder. He'd probably have a lot of air miles, <laughs> don't you think? I mean, he'd be, he'd be traveling. He'd be preaching. He'd have his own YouTube channel. He'd have a blog. <laughs> I'm sure he'd have a Twitter account for sure. The Apostle Paul in 140 characters. <laughs> I'm sure he would use every tool available to him to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our primary goal is that we would just be faithful to his calling that is still given to us today. And so I want to challenge us as individuals to take it to heart. I want to challenge us as we head into this missions weekend on Friday with our missions meal uh, and and time with our missionaries on Saturday, the ladies with the missionary, um, and then, of course, Sunday next week, that we would... Ask the Lord and say, God, would you help this commission given to us sort of renew itself in my life? It's been often said that Christ's last command should be our first concern. And that's just, I mean, you've, you've heard that before, I'm sure. But it's, it's great to be reminded of as we head into this week. And this is Christ's full command to us here is that we would be filled with the Spirit, that we would walk after him, that we would go, that we would tell other people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage us today of God's power, his purpose, and the joy of his presence. And maybe you've never made that commitment in your own life. Maybe there's never been a time where you said, God, I'm going to make your commission my commission. I'm going to make what you uh, called us to do, I'm going to make that now a part of my life. And I want to encourage you to do that today. And as we head into this time of really focusing on worldwide evangelism, of course, and looking at how we are involved, and I'm so thankful for the missionaries that we're involved in, I want to remind us that it starts at home. It starts in your heart. It starts in your family. It starts in our church. And so I want to challenge you with that today and to ask yourself and to reflect and say, Lord, is your commission my commission? If you've never made that commitment, would you follow him? Maybe for some of you, there's an area of your life that God is leading you in, but you're afraid to follow him. Hey, I feel you. (laughs) I feel you. I know what that's like. Would you recognize God's authority over your life and over your circumstances, and would you just follow and trust him? It might be that some of you need the presence of God this morning. Maybe you're struggling a little bit, and you're like, I'm just not feeling the presence of God. I want to encourage you, the presence of God is more than a feeling. As that lady said, it's a fact. It's a reality. And we just need to turn to God and say, God, I know you're here with me. I have confidence, I have faith that you're with me. Would you lead me and would you guide me? Are we faithful to the Great Commission, church family? Are we faithful? Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning for a time of reflection. And I recognize that most of you here today that I know of, you're believers, and 
you know the Lord is your personal Savior, and, but we often look at the Great Commission as something somebody else is supposed to do rather than given to us. So I ask you this morning, let's just renew. Let's renew in our hearts and say, Lord, would you help us? Would you give us opportunities to live out your commission? Let's have a few minutes of prayer together. We hope that today's message was a help to your relationship with God. To stay connected with us, you can like us on Facebook or give us a follow on Instagram at Van City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will uniquely bless and grow you as you pursue His will for your life.